The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. What a world! Welcome all to another episode of the Ocho, presented to you in partnership, as always, with SB Nation's blogging theboys.com. My name is RG Ochoa. You know me, of course, from BTB and from Radio is your humble host, Don of the Ocho. It is Thursday, the third day, September 15th, 2022. We hope all is well wherever you are. We hope you're happy, safe, healthy, and I trust that you are still upset. Um, the season isn't even a week old. For the Dallas Cowboys. Our Dallas Cowboys kicked off last Sunday night against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They lost 19-3. to And every day since then has felt like... Um, it's kind of felt like, no, this can't be it, right? Like, this, the, the season hasn't even started, right? Like, this, it was just a fourth preseason game. Um, we, you know, we, we have to... Something better has to be coming, right? I'm sorry to say it's not. Um, I'm, I'm sorry to say that we're, we're facing the prospect of a really really difficult Dallas Cowboys season. And obviously, a lot of that um, has to do with the injury to Dak Prescott. I know Jerry Jones believes he's going to be back in four weeks, or at least is is, uh, is selling that belief. But um, I, I think, practically speaking, Dak is probably going to miss, you know, up through the bye. I think that's what makes the most sense. Um, so we'll see, obviously, what happens there. But as mentioned, this this is about more than that. And, and and Dak's absence only exacerbates the issues surrounding this roster. And this isn't a matter of people being right, um, but but the writing was on the wall here. And something I've been thinking a lot about after rewatching the game several times, um, you know, rewatching the broadcast several times, um, was what Chris Collinsworth said. And and you may not have watched that. I don't know. Maybe you watched it at like a watch party or a bar, or a restaurant or something. But in case you missed it, Chris Collinsworth kind of took the Cowboys to task on the broadcast. He said, you know, that the Cowboys knew the situation at wide receiver on their roster. He said they knew that and they chose to go with other options. And so obviously what Chris is hinting at or was hinting at is that the Cowboys chose to trade away Amari Cooper. They chose to draft Jalen Tolbert. They chose to sign James Washington. They chose to do nothing when James Washington was injured. I also glossed over they chose to re-sign Michael Gallup. But they did all of that knowing that Michael Gallup was going to need time, right? And we'll see. I mean, doesn't really feel like he's going to play this week. Maybe next week on Monday Night Football is when Michael Gallup makes his debut. Kind of my own personal opinion is, is maybe we get Michael Gallup and Jason Peters back on that, you know, in that same game. But but again, obviously a lot of time to go between now and then. Um, so th- this was all predictable, right? That this this onslaught of what are we doing here was predictable. The only thing that 
you know, has happened so far at the receiver position that wasn't predictable was Jalen Tolbert being a healthy scratch. That chatter picked up last Friday, uh, first mentioned on the Love of the Star podcast with Bobby Belt and Brian Broaddus. You should listen to that, subscribe to them, leave a rating, write a review there. Um, we wrote about it ourselves at Blogging the Boys. Uh, Stephen Jones was on San Antonio Sports Star on Friday and, and said that they, they probably gave Jalen too much right away. I did some TikToking and Instagramming about this, um, and then he was a healthy scratch. And so that just kind of... I think we're just left with questions. I think that every kind of turn, um, every kind of major checkpoint over the last few months has only incited more questions, right? The Cowboys get to training camp. What's the offense going to look like? Well, we really don't know because we haven't really seen it. Are you going to be able to utilize Tony Pollard and Zeke at the same time? Well, we really don't know. What are you going to do at kicker? Jonathan Garibay and Lareem Hyrule who aren't cutting it. Well, you know, we're going to bring in Brett Maher. What are you going to do at tackle? What are you going to do at swing tackle? The Cowboys still, still today, I'm recording this to be fair on Wednesday, the 14th at 5 p.m. Central Time. Uh, a mail truck just drove by, so better be cool. Um, they still do not have a swing Swing tackle. We have been screaming about this for months. I mean, literally for months. And today it's week two. It's not just the regular season. They do not have a swing tackle on their team. They do not have a qualified piece of interior depth, especially in the current moment with Connor McGovern dealing with the high ankle sprain. And what are they doing? What I mean, what what are they doing? What are they adding? That they're, they're you know these these internal promotions aren't aren't going to solve it. Not at the NFL level. The way they went about receiver again, I I, I think this is really unfortunate because it makes Noah Brown and Simi Fajoko look bad. But that's that's not going to work at the NFL level. That it, it just is not. We you know we knew that, but but Sunday proved it, and this Sunday against the Bengals will probably prove it again. Um, so the, the premise behind today's episode, and I'm going to write about this too. I haven't at, at the time of the recording here, um, but you can read the article at blogontheboys.com. I'll also do some some Instagram stuff around this as well. But um, I have three questions, three questions. And I think, you know, I know Tom Ryle and Roy White do some questions themselves. You can hear their show later on today, Riled Up um, on the Blog on the Boys podcast network. But these are three questions that I have. And I, I'm not even saying that, like, we're going to get the answer to this, but these and I have a lot of questions, to be clear. But these are the three that, that have just kind of been swirling and, and percolating in my mind um, as we get ready for the second game of the season. Number one, will Jalen Tolbert be active on Sunday against the Cincinnati Bengals? Look, I don't think it's fair to jump to conclusions about Jalen Tolbert's career with the Cowboys. I don't think it's fair to say he's a bust. I don't think it's fair to paint him in a poor light. I think Stephen Jones admitting that the Cowboys probably gave him too much is actually a fair thing to do. Um, but why are you vocalizing it that way? I mean, admit it. Admit it to yourself. Admit it to the team. Admit it to the important people. But going on the radio and saying it is a bad idea. Stephen Jones's comment last Friday in San Antonio only serves to make Jalen look bad, right? It only serves to make him look like he wasn't ready. And in turn, it does not show the Cowboys taking accountability themselves because there were a lot of people, a lot of Cowboys fans, but the Cowboys themselves, who said, don't worry about the loss of Amari Cooper because we drafted Jalen Tolbert. We believe in him. We believe that we can hand him a lot early on at the NFL level and he'll be fine. And that's not true. Again, it doesn't speak to Jalen's future career with the Cowboys, but the fact that he's not ready now shows that that bet lost. So you have to hedge. We talk about this all the time. Um, so, you know, If you listen to the other shows I'm on, one of them is the NFC's mixtape, myself and Brandon Lee Gowton. And, and one of the things 
that BLG and I talk about a lot is you have to run scenarios. You have to prepare for the worst case scenario. You do. You have to. I've made a lot of analogies, right? I don't know who you are and where you live, if you live in an apartment or a home or, or whatever, but you know, it, it, at some in some area of your life, whether it's your house or your car or your your cell phone, you have some type of insurance, right? You have some type of, of preventative measure in the event of a disaster. You are prepared, right, for, for something. And so if your phone breaks or you, you have a flood in your house or you, your car gets dinged up, you can rely on that insurance to help you get back on your feet. The Cowboys didn't do that. Again, you, you want to go at Jalen Tolbert. You want to say that you believe he can be here in, in, in on day one and, and be perfect and be ready. Okay, but what if that doesn't work? And we're here. We're here now, right? What if it doesn't work? And that what if extends for me into week two. And we'll see. The Cowboys have some roster you know, tap dancing that they'll have to do this week. And it gets complicated, especially with the promotion of the practice squad guys and things like that. But, I mean, the, the receivers are, are, are going to largely look the same, right, we all think. You know, C.D. Lamb, obviously. I, I'm presuming that Michael Gallup's not going to play. But let's let's kind of fill this out. You got C.D. Lamb on Sunday, obviously. You got Noah Brown. You got Simi Fajoko. There's three. I think Dennis Houston's probably going to be active. They clearly believe in that. And then you have Kevontae Turpin, who's your specialist in your return man. And by the way, don't even get me started on the fact that the Cowboys said, oh, we're going to involve Kevontae Turpin offensively. I said this on the postgame show. He did not have a single offensive touch against the Buccaneers. Not one. So, I mean, quit lying. You know, quit quit lying. Or, or I mean, and I know that sounds so silly and foolish, but I mean, the things you say, people remember. Like, you you don't just say something and, and it disappears forever. And so it will be troubling if Jalen Tolbert is not active for a second straight game. Again, it will not mean that there's doom and gloom surrounding the future of his career with this team, but it will be troubling and it will be not great. The Cowboys are in a huge rut offensively. And if Jalen Tolbert, and this was you know kind of a discussion point that a lot of people centered around a week ago, if Jalen Tolbert cannot get active when Michael Gallup and James Washington are not a part of the rotation because they're both dealing with their own recoveries, what happens at that point in time? Right. Like because because what you're saying here, because if if Michael Gallup and James Washington were healthy, they're, they're both active. Right. We all agree with that. So what you're saying is that Jalen Tolbert, your third round pick this year, is not one of your top seven receivers who you prefer. That's the message that you're saying. And, you know, the Cowboys tried to spin it as this is a situational thing where we're trying to take advantage of certain matchups and things like that. So that's why I'm saying if Jalen Tolbert's active on Sunday and and call it Dennis Houston is inactive, then we can kind of calm down w- with regards to this trouble. But if he's inactive again, that is, you know, it's just a little yikes. It's, that's really kind of uh, where I'm at. So that's my first question. My second one, what is going to happen at right tackle? Now, I want to be very clear about something. And we talked about this on the roundtable. Um, Jess made it very well known that she was not a fan of Terrence Steele and his penalties. Um, I'm not a fan of Terrence Steele and his penalties. But if the Cowboys bench Terrence Steele, I think that that sets off a lot of appropriate alarm bells. Now, what are we talking about here? Well, if you didn't hear Jerry Jones on 105 Through the Fan on Tuesday, um, he hinted at Jason Peters potentially playing a right tackle for this team. We all know that the Dallas Cowboys want Tyler Smith to be their left tackle of the future. They are insistent that that was their plan, despite all the evidence, you know, that they didn't prepare, whatever. We're not going to relitigate that. But 
The Cowboys really want Tyler Smith to play left tackle. And to his credit, Tyler Smith played well against the Buccaneers. Good for Tyler Smith. Good for the Cowboys believing. Again, I don't think you can say they believed because they were going to play him at left guard. But still, good. The, the good thing ultimately happened. But did Jason Peters sign up to play right tackle for a team that Cooper Rush is quarterbacking? I don't think so. I mean, and, and, and if you do do that, then what you're telling us, right, is that the entire plan was even worse off than we thought, right? The, the plan, to be clear here, when the Cowboys touched down in Oxnard, California, the plan for the starting offensive line left to right was Tyron Smith, Tyler Smith, Tyler Bionish, Zach Martin, and Terrence Steele. Okay, now let's examine each of those five. Tyron Smith, obviously future Hall of Famer, amazing, but was injury prone. They did nothing to uh, you know, assign preventative measure for that, right? They bought no insurance on Tyron Smith, which is why they were stuck, you know, what was it now, about a month ago. Okay, Tyler Smith, rookie. You had no idea. Yeah, you believed, but he had never done it at the NFL level. And we're giving him a lot of credit, rightfully so, but it, it has only been one game. So that was kind of a shaky bet too. Tyler Bionish, okay, fine player, I suppose, but one of the more poor players along this line as far as all of them a year ago. So not exactly something you feel great about. Zach Martin goes without saying we trust him totally, completely. He's a future Hall of Famer as well. And Terrence Steele, all right, who we're discussing right here. So what you're saying then is that you intentionally went to camp with your top two tackles being Tyron Smith and Terrence Steele, one of whom in Tyron, who you had to have known was going to get injured, but did nothing to replace. Okay, that's we've 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 spilled that milk. That conversation has been had many times. The other one, you are so in a weird position with that you are ready and willing to after one game think about benching him. What? Like you know, like I'm, again, I'm not trying to sit here and, and defend Terrence Steele. I think he's done a lot. Um, of good things over the you know last two seasons and, and running um, I think I mean for for being an undrafted free agent I think he's he's delivered way over expectation but I think also Terrence Steele has kind of been the poster for this movement right for the movement the Cowboys are currently undergoing Lyle Collins is going to to show up at AT&T Stadium on Sunday night with the Cincinnati Bengals because the Cowboys cut him now they had their reasons they you know were in their feelings or whatever you want to say but part of the reason the Cowboys cut Lyle Collins was because they believed in Terrence Steele was that belief really so shy that you were willing to cut or, or bench Terrence Steele after one game that seems preposterous to me. That seems like such a huge overreaction. I mean, I, I on, on one small hand, uh, one Kenny Pickett-sized hand, I do support, you know, already considering and running scenarios like we talked about, right? You have to be prepared for the worst-case scenario, all right? As my son cries in the background, it's, it's, it's feeding time. So it is what it is. He's going to be a podcaster someday. Don't worry about it. But you have to be running scenarios at all times. Okay, that's fine. But again, this kind of goes back to the Tolbert thing. Respect. You're acknowledging that you gave him too much right away, but why are you telling people? Why are you telling people if you truly are that you're considering benching Terrence Steele at right tackle? And I understand that Jason Peters is your, your plug-in option, but that's a huge bet too. That's a risky thing. What if Jason Peters at 40 years old doesn't work out? There's a high likelihood that he doesn't. I mean, we're, we're not getting prime Jason Peters here. I know he played very well a year ago, but this whole thing is just so messy. And it doesn't have to be. So this is my second question. I'm very interested to see how the Cowboys handle this. But that could be a, a you know a, a would-be domino to fall in the near future. The Cowboys deciding to bench Terrence Steele. But that's all hypothetical still. My third 
And final question, and this is the most vague, the most ambiguous. I'm casting the widest net possible here, but I'm not going to lie to you. All right, this is these are tough times. Now, I got into the blog game, the podcast game in 2015. So my first season where I earned my stripes covering the Cowboys was tough, and it was rough. And this season feels like that. This feels a lot more like 2015 than it does 2020 when Dak Prescott was hurt. However, something that separates this season, 2022, from 2015 is is we felt like the Cowboys were so close. That's what it, it felt like. It felt like they were, you know, because Dez had caught it the year before. They had been one of the top teams in the NFC. Romo was operating at the absolute peak of his powers, that the offense was on fire, et cetera, et cetera. It felt like they were right there. And so it felt like because the division was bad again, it felt like if you can survive, if you can make it through, if you can, and this at the time was back when injured reserve required you to be on it for a lot longer than, than the rules are now. If you can just make it to the point that Romo can come back you can get in the dance and magic can happen this does not feel that way this I mean this was kind of you know it was in DOA but I mean this this season felt left-footed from the very beginning I talked about that last week this season felt like it got off to a poor start the moment the Cowboys decided to start dismantling the roster during free agency and all of the points of roster construction throughout the year and so okay you're dealing with that and on top of that, now you have an injury to your quarterback. Your second receiver is still coming back from injury. We don't know what the situation is there. Your starting left tackle was lost a few weeks ago. Your plans at tackle are all over the place. Your rookie receiver is somebody who you don't even trust to give a uniform to on game day. I mean, what happens here? What I mean, and I'm not trying to joke or be silly or, or be dramatic. And I say that line a lot, but it's true. I'm going to run through the games for the Cowboys before the bye. And I know we've done this several times. They're going to lose on Sunday against the Bengals. And I know you want to believe they're going to win more than anything because I do too, but I don't see it happening. So the Cowboys are falling to 0-2. They're going to New York to play the Giants, and they get the Commanders in Week 4. I will say they split those games, but I do think that's being generous. That puts them at 1-3. and Then they're going to L.A. to play the Rams. That's 1-4. and They're going to the other side of the country the next week to play the Eagles. That's 1-5. and Then say they split with the Lions and, and Bears they're two and six if they're two and six I don't know I mean the season is lost at that point if they're two and six I mean there's no way there's there's no there's just not a way that they can come back from that after the bye especially when you look at their schedule post buy they have the Packers who have their number they have the Vikings who are looking like one of the best teams in the NFL they have the Colts who I don't believe in but maybe they get things on track they have the Eagles again they have the Titans who are a would-be playoff contender that's four more games so say they lose two of those, right? Like say we're optimistic. That already puts them at eight losses. And that's assuming they sweep or they, they split these next two in this stretch, um, the two, two, two game stretches. You get my point. I got lost in the math. But it is difficult. It is extremely difficult to find a path here. And, and I don't think that's being dramatic at all. I think that's being realistic. And so my third question is what happens? Like, like, if, if we watch this team again, the way things happened on Sunday, if it's that broken of an offense, if we keep coming up with these crazy statistics that you know are like the Cowboys are the only team in week one to not score a touchdown, if they keep living in that funk, what happens? They, they, you know, This is a, a, a reactionary team. We know that. There will be a reaction. Is it firing Mike McCarthy? Is it firing Kellen Moore? I mean, what they're, they're, one of those things has to happen. But this chaos that this team has been living and breathing and operating in, not just for the last week but from the moment they lost to the 49ers off of that botched play at the very end 
something has to happen. It's you know the the water the water has to find a way out. The dam is going to break. The bow is going to break, and the baby is going to fall. The baby that was this is the baby that was in the background. He's not going to fall. To be careful. Uh, to be clear, but you get you get the analogy. Um, I don't know what that is. If I had to forecast myself. I don't want anybody to be fired. I hate, you know, that that's part of this game, that, that people are fired, people are cut, people are released, people are moved on from whatever. But the, the thing that makes the most logical sense to me as far as the, the likely shoot a drop, so to speak, is that Kellen Moore is fired. I mean, Kellen Moore is in his fourth season. He's had enough of, of time to, to show himself here, and he hasn't done it. And that's the reality of the situation. But beyond Kellen Moore, look, I'm going to say something that's going to upset a lot of people right here. And it's just we have to – we have to live with where we are. Mike McCarthy has won a Super Bowl. All right, I know Aaron Rodgers carried him. I'm not here to like brag about the legitimacy of Mike McCarthy's Super Bowl, but objectively speaking, he has one. Kellen Moore does not. All right, so my point being here, I'm more inclined to give the benefit of the doubt in a general sense to Mike McCarthy than I am to Kellen Moore. Okay, how did Mike McCarthy make his salt in the NFL? on the offensive side of the ball. We know that. We have seen his offenses be successful. Granted, it was a long time ago with the Green Bay Packers, but we have seen it. Now, to be fair, we've also seen Kellen's offenses have success. We cannot, I stress, we cannot get to a point, whether that's mid-season, December, you know, March of 2023, we cannot get to a point where the Cowboys move on from Mike McCarthy and we do not see his offensive touch on this team. We can't. It cannot happen. You cannot hire a Super Bowl winning coach who's known for his work on the offensive side of the ball and never see his work on the offensive side of the ball. Again, I'm not saying that anything I'm proposing here is a good idea, but we, we've reached DEFCON 1. We have to start exploring options, right? We're, we're in the movie Saw. We, we're looking at that thing and looking at our, 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 our foot or whatever it was and, and trying to figure a way out of this mess. And so, I think the most likely option is you move on from Kellen Moore. You let Mike McCarthy call the plays. You let Mike McCarthy have his touch on the offense. And I'm not saying that maybe he does something to save himself and, and give you confidence, but you have to know that answer. You have to, beyond a shadow of a doubt, be able to say when this season is over, when the McCarthy era is over, whenever that is, you have to be able to say that you learned something. That something may not be something you like, but you have to be able to say that you learned something. Because if you don't, then you just wasted all of our time. If you do not learn and identify what kind of offense Mike McCarthy can run, whether it's with Dak Prescott or Cooper Rush under center, then you have absolutely wasted all of our time. And you know what, Mike? If you're listening, buddy, whether the Cowboys fired Kellen Moore or not, you got to take control of play calling, dude. You need a Frank Sinatra this thing. I mean, I, I would imagine that Mike McCarthy doesn't want his tenure to end without ever having had a massive influence on the offense. I know people say, well, what does he do? Blah, blah, blah. Mike, dude, it's time. Grab the reins. Grab the controls. Go out swinging, dude. I mean, it, it, it might not work, but, you know, <laughs> the, the swing might be all over the place. But go out swinging. Do it your way. And like I said, it might fail, but at least if it does, you can sit here, we can sit here, and we can all say that, you know what, Mike tried, it didn't work, and that's unfortunate, but at least we learned something. That's my third question. Um, hey, it's going to be an interesting week. If the Cowboys fall to 0-2, we're going to hear all about how teams start off 0-2, generally don't make the playoffs, and then I will. my soft prediction here is that Jerry says on the radio next week, that he was a part of a team in 1993 
that started the season off 0-2, and, and everybody wrote them off, and they won the Super Bowl. And they were the first 0-2 team to win the Super Bowl, and they did it running the ball. Watch out for that. Um, I hope you have a great day. In case you're interested, I'm taking the Chiefs tonight over the Chargers. I correctly predicted the Bills over the Rams. I am a genius. I hope um, – I hope I hope I'm wrong about all this. I hope Sunday the Cowboys dismantle the Bengals and and we can start kind of trying to figure out how to get to the point where Dak Prescott returns and have a lot of fun with this. But, um, you know, I've I've eaten at this restaurant before, and the chef's the same, the ingredients are the same, the menu's the same, even the lighting is the same. Um, so I hope what they bring out is delicious. Uh, I hope you have a great day. hope you have the best Thursday of all time. You know why? Because you deserve it. Shout out to my son for joining us for just a little bit. Bear to the whole crew. Uh, We will see you manana, my friends. As always, go Cowboys and peace out.